is going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today. Heath and I are officially married. Yes, and it's been a long couple of weeks with family and friends, but we had an amazing night. It was just perfect. Yeah, our wedding was so, so fun. We had it here in L.A., We're going to post pictures on our Instagram if you guys want to see, but it was such a blast. I can't believe it just like flew by so fast. It was the fastest night of my life, but it was probably the best night, right? It was, yeah. We had so much fun. But anyway, back to true crime. So um, I just want to give a quick thank you to Ari for recommending today's case. It's a more recent one. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Let's just dive right in. All right, guys, this is episode 343 of Going West. So let's get into it. We've got a very different kind of sponsor for this episode, the Jordan Harbinger Show. A podcast you should definitely check out since you're a fan of high-quality, fascinating podcasts hosted by interesting people. The Jordan Harbinger Show covers such a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with heavy-hitting guests. And there are a ton of episodes that you're going to find interesting. Jordan is super charismatic and well-voiced, so I loved listening to his recent episode with Susan Casey called Unraveling Mysteries in the Ocean's Darkest Depths. It was so creepy and interesting, and he goes across every category with other episodes like Romance Twister, My Mister Once Dated My Sister, or his monthly Skeptical Sunday episodes about controversial topics from crystal healing to cannabis to Ouija boards. There is something for everyone. We really enjoy this show, and we think you will as well. There's just so much here. Check out jordanharbinger.com slash start for some episode recommendations or search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In August of 2018, a 19-year-old woman went missing from her home in Arizona. As police began digging deeper into her case, it became more and more clear that she had been met with foul play. When her body was found on a remote stretch of desert weeks later, their suspicions were confirmed. But was her boyfriend behind it? Or is it possible there was another mystery man involved? This is the story of Kiara Bergman. Kiara Lene Bergman was born on July 18, 1999 to her mom Kirsten in Santee, California, which is about half an hour outside of San Diego. Kirsten was fresh out of high school when she got pregnant with Kira, but she had the help of very supportive parents. And she remembers her daughter Kira as a happy, smiley, giggly baby. 
A few years later, Kirsten met and began dating Chris Bragg, and the two married and later welcomed another daughter, which was Kira's little sister, Brady. All in all, the family was super close, and Chris thought of Kira as his own. They settled in El Cajon, California, which is another suburb of San Diego, and as a teen, Kira was known as a kind and free spirit. Her dad, Chris, added that he remembered her, quote, as the fun-loving person that she was with the big hair and the beautiful smile. A friend of hers recalled, quote, she was super funny. Her smile is very contagious. You could be yourself around her. Kira was also creative, artistic, she loved to paint, and she also sang in her school choir. Her mom, Kirsten, recalled trying to get her to play softball, but that Kira was more interested in hair, makeup, and fashion. So she became focused on a career in hair and makeup and frequently watched tutorials on YouTube to learn new tricks and styles. After graduating from high school in 2017, Kira enrolled in cosmetology school and was even offered a scholarship. She told her mom that she hoped that one day she could offer free haircuts and hair care to the homeless. That was a big part of her dream of becoming a stylist was to give back to her community. In November of that year, again 2017, 18-year-old Kira met 22-year-old John Christopher Clark on Tinder after a friend set up a profile for her. Her family remembers Kira being thrilled about this new prospect in her love life, but they had their hesitations because soon after they began dating, John accompanied Kira to a family event, and Kira's mom, Kirsten, recalls the introduction going very poorly. She said they were all super skeptical of the relationship, saying, quote, what does a 22-year-old want with an 18-year-old? Kira's family and friends watched as John systematically chipped away at her independence, eventually stripping her of everything that she had built for herself. Kirsten said sadly, quote, Before she met him, she was doing good. She had a good job. She had her own cell phone, her own line. She had her own car. Then she got with him, and all of those things started to go away. He started controlling everything. Kiara, who had never really dated before, was so excited about the prospect of having a boyfriend that things moved quickly between the two, and within four months of dating, she decided to move in with him. But John was moving out of the state of California and headed for Glendale, Arizona, which is near Phoenix. He had lived in Phoenix prior to living in California and wanted to move back to the area, so Kiara left cosmetology school and all of her family and friends behind and headed to the neighboring state of Arizona with John. But to the dismay of her family, John's alienation of Kiara from her support system continued. They were even unable to contact her via text or phone call. Kirsten explained, quote, Once she got to Arizona, he canceled their cell phones so she could no longer have a cell phone line. The only way that we could talk to her was through Facebook Messenger or Instagram messaging. John had also begun to steal from Kiara, leeching off of her while refusing to obtain his own job. Her family learned that he had talked her into taking out a loan to help them financially, putting up the car that she had owned herself as collateral. He claimed that he wanted to use the money from the loan to buy furniture for their new apartment, but when they secured that loan, John took the money and never purchased anything for them. So Kiara accepted the first job that she could find at a call center, but John apparently remained unemployed. So Kiara found a second part-time position in order to keep them afloat. 
Then, within a few weeks of them moving to Arizona, John broke up with Kiera, seemingly out of nowhere. Thankfully, Kiera's best friend from high school, Destiny, happened to live in the Phoenix area, so the two decided to move in together. But Kiera was really upset and confused by John's sudden change of heart, but her parents were really relieved at the prospect of getting their daughter back and her just getting her life back and continuing on a good path. And things started to get much better. Kira got a new job working alongside her best friend Destiny at a furniture store. And at this point, Destiny was starting a modeling career and Kira wanted to follow suit. So she really just started acting like herself again and just getting motivated to follow her goals. But sadly, the split did not last. And by June of 2018, Kira was calling to let her mom know that she and John decided to work things out and had gotten back together. She promised her friends and family that John was working on his issues and that she wanted to give the relationship another try. And this time, because Kira had settled into an apartment with Destiny and John apparently still hadn't gotten a job, he moved into the girl's apartment with them. But Kira's friends and family again noticed a shift in her demeanor and behavior after they rekindled things. She seemed withdrawn and even depressed for the first time in her life. It was kind of as if John was like dimming her light and just absolutely sucking the life out of her. Her sister Brady remembered John as controlling and that every decision Kira made, whether small or large, needed to go through him first. Kiera felt like she needed to look to him for approval and validation when she spoke. And Destiny remembered that he rarely even let her go to the grocery store by herself. That summer, John was still on probation back in California and was frequently required to check in at a courthouse there. So Kiera would make the trip back with him every time. But her mom, Kirsten, said that she was rarely able to see her daughter when they were in town. Kirsten, her husband Chris, and Brady met Kiera and John for breakfast on one visit and also dinner the next visit. But those were the only occasions that John allowed them to make time for Kiera's family. And when they all met for dinner, John picked a fight with Kiera in front of her entire family over what she was ordering. Kirsten recalled, quote, he made it very clear that they were going to get what he wanted. I could just see her whole demeanor change. That dinner was the last time any of them saw Kiera. And according to Chris, Kiera's family was so disapproving of their relationship that he and Kiera actually didn't speak for a couple of months leading up to her disappearance, which he says is something that he really regretted later on. But you know, this is a really tough situation because in their minds, they're like, Kira, why are you with this guy? But she is trapped in this extremely manipulative and toxic relationship with somebody. And she probably feels like she can't get out of it. Right, and the sad thing is that they also can't force her out of the relationship. They can't tell her what to do. She's, you know, she's an adult and um, she can date who she wants. But yeah, it seems like she's stuck and they don't know how to help. So on Monday, August 6, 2018, Destiny called Kiera's mom concerned that she hadn't seen or heard from Kiera in nearly two days. Destiny hadn't seen her at home, calls and texts to her cell were going unanswered, and Kiera had even missed a shift at work. Now initially, Destiny thought that Kiera may have been out with John, but when she didn't see or hear from her at all, 
She felt as if something was very wrong, and then she finally notified Kirsten. Going without contact was completely unlike Kiera, so the two decided that Destiny should file a missing persons report. She headed to the Phoenix Police Department to report Kiera missing, as her parents and sister made the five-hour drive from El Cajon to Glendale to search for her. The last time Destiny had heard from Kiera was two days prior, on Saturday, August 4th. So at 12.09 p.m., Kiera texted Destiny asking what time she would be home. Then, at 12.52, John texted Destiny telling her that Kiera had stormed out of the apartment. Right, so that's 45 minutes, roughly, between the time that Kira texted Destiny to when John texted Destiny. Right, and we've seen this in a lot of other cases where, you know, the husband or the boyfriend is saying, well, they just stormed out. We had a fight, and they stormed out, and then I just never saw her again, and this is feeling like the same situation. And then, an hour later, at 1.57 p.m. that day, Kiera supposedly texted Destiny saying that she was with a man that she met at a store. The text read, quote, Girl, my phone is about to die, but I'm fucking done with John. I met this guy a couple of days ago when I went to the store, and I asked him to pick me up, so I'm just chilling with him at his house. I'll call you when I get a charger, and make sure John leaves. So this is tough, because... Like you're saying, this is supposedly coming from Kira. This is the last thing that anybody is going to hear from her. But it's complicated because on one end you can say, oh, she is done with John now. She's seeing the toxicity. Maybe she's able or feels like she's able to leave and finds this other guy. But then at the other side of the coin, it feels kind of like a convenient thing to say that she is leaving John. She is going to another man and then suddenly putting another person in the picture for what is to come. Well, yeah, it did seem very convenient that this text seemed to give John an alibi, you know, because he was supposed to be banished from this apartment while simultaneously, you know, like pointing the finger at a mysterious and unidentified third party. So yeah, it, it does feel a little bit weird, but immediately Destiny, as well as Kiara's family, sensed that that text was just not coming from Kiara. Kirsten said that she got an eerie sense from it, and that it just didn't feel like her daughter. And she also didn't think that Kiara would ever be the one to go to a stranger's house by herself on a whim. Also, with how dedicated Kiara has been to John, how many chances she's given this guy despite what a monster he is, it doesn't seem like she's the kind of person that would be like, fuck John, I found a new man. Like, that's, yeah. that doesn't sound like her. Well, and then there's another clue here, and it's apparently that, uh, you know, Chris pointed out that the text had been a pretty lengthy text, but he also said that Kiara never typed more than, like, two lines at a time. So they kind of, they're getting this feeling. They know her very well, obviously. They're sleuthing. They're sleuthing right now. So on top of Kiara being, like, a short texter, she also frequently abbreviated words, and she didn't really care to text much at all. Right, so these are a few very smart people who know Kiera very well, and they are just recognizing this text as off right away for so many reasons. So Kiera had left everything but her phone behind as well. And when Destiny checked her room, she found her purse with all of her cards and her money. So her dad, Chris, wondered, quote, her ID for work, her purse with her wallet, ID, and credit cards was found thrown in the back of her closet. That is strange. 
what woman throws her purse in the back of her closet? Her car had also been left behind, so police mused that if she had met someone new, if that was even true, maybe they'd run off together because that's kind of where the mind initially goes for police. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, we're talking about, you know, a a person, most people are going to carry their ID and their credit cards and all of those things if they're planning on running away. So that obviously goes right out the fucking window. Oh, no. Her parents claim that there was no way that that's what happened. Like, she would have never left also on top of leaving her stuff without letting Destiny or her parents know where she was going. And Kira was also not one to miss work or kind of screw off her responsibilities, and she couldn't have gone far even if she wanted to because the only thing she had with her was her phone. So her family did what they could to generate any information about her. They asked questions, looked for her on foot and by car, and hung missing posters all around the area. They also organized search parties to scout the area from which she disappeared, while her sister started a Facebook page to spread awareness. On August 11th, so one week after she was last seen, they held a vigil for her with her friends, her neighbors, and coworkers. And her dad, Chris, pleaded, quote, We just want her back. Please just call the police. A piece of our heart is missing, and without it, we don't feel whole. It's heartbreaking. Please, somebody, say something. As the days ticked by, Kira's loved ones grew increasingly concerned, and police grew increasingly sure that she did not disappear of her own volition. So they are quickly getting the sense that she did not run away and that something is wrong. And thankfully, they did come to that conclusion. Yes. Unfortunately, it did take a few days, but at least they got there. And really, of course, as you can imagine, there was only one person that her family and friends suspected of involvement if something did go wrong with Kira, and that person was John. August 4th, 2018, so the day that Kira disappeared, was actually John's 23rd birthday. Unsurprisingly, he had been the last person known to have seen her. When police questioned him, John said that Kiara had gone to work that morning without incident. Then, at 10.27 a.m., she texted him that she wanted to be picked up from work because she wasn't feeling well. So, he went to go get her, and then supposedly, they headed home together. And then, after that, John was apparently pretty upset that they weren't doing more for his birthday. He was on FaceTime with his aunt, and then hung up as soon as the couple became embroiled in a fight. John admitted to the police that they had a significant fight that morning and that he was apparently disappointed that Kiera wasn't doing more for him on his 23rd birthday. But they also fought about their living situation. John claimed that he regretted the move to Glendale. Not having a job was taking a toll on him and he was really stressed about his finances. Um, that move was your idea? Yeah, and your fault for not having a job, buddy. He also told Kiera that he was considering moving to Texas to stay with his aunt for a while. And that was apparently what he and his aunt were talking about on FaceTime when Kiara started getting upset. He then claimed that Kiara stormed out of the apartment after their fight around 1 p.m. and that he hadn't seen her since. A text exchange after her departure showed Kiara giving John permission to withdraw money from her bank account. Then later that day, he used one of her debit cards to take out $500 in cash and then drove her car to a gas station and used her card to fill it up. 
And obviously we know this guy's a piece of shit and basically just uses Kiera for her money. But also, if this is the day that they got in this big fight, why would she storm out and then say, sure, take my money, and then yeah. and then at that same time be texting Destiny, fuck John, I have a new guy. Yeah, like, none of this is no, adding up. Not at all. With Kiera's phone still missing, police brought John in for questioning and subpoenaed both her phone records and his. In the most damning discovery yet, police learned that both of their phones had been connected to their home Wi-Fi router when all of these texts were sent. So let's go back and read the text really quick to prove how much this does not make sense. So at 12.52, John texted Destiny saying that Kira had stormed out of the apartment. Now that 12.52 does align with John telling the police that she had left at about one o'clock. 12.52, one o'clock, about the same time, right? But then an hour later, at 1.57, Kiera, text, apparently or Kiera's phone, texted Destiny that she was with a man that she met at a store. And that text said, girl, my phone is about to die, but I'm fucking done with John. I met this guy a couple days ago when I went to the store and I asked him to come pick me up. So I'm just chilling with him at his house. I'll call you when I get a charger and make sure John leaves. So she's under her Wi-Fi at home saying that she's at some other guy's house? Yeah, this is where John fucked up. I mean, really, this is where he messed up completely because probably didn't really think about where those texts were going to be coming from and that police were going to check those records to see where they were coming from. Exactly, and that last line of make sure John leaves really drives it home that she or whoever's posing as her is claiming that Kiera is not home, yet her phone is. Yeah, exactly. And this was an explosive revelation in this case because it meant that Kiera, or at least her phone, was in the apartment when she, or whoever it was, supposedly texted Destiny that she had left with this man, you know, that she had met from the store. Now, she, I'm, I'm doing um, quotations here, had also been in the apartment when she texted John that he could take her purse from the back of her closet and use her card to pull out cash and then fill up her own gas tank. Yeah, so if they were both home under the Wi-Fi, why would they be texting A? And B, again, after a fight, why would she say that he can take out hundreds of dollars from her account? Right, but even more suspiciously, this data showed that on August 7th, 2018, three days after Kiera went missing. Both her and John's phones connected to that Wi-Fi router in their apartment. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions. 
or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volix XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. We know you guys love a good mystery, especially one with twists and turns. Am I right? This is why you guys are going to love June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker while she tries to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder in the roaring 1920s. In this hidden object mystery game, put your detective skills to the test. While you're on this quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret, you can customize your very own luxurious estate island and let your imagination run wild. Daphne and I actually love to play this game together because you can chat with and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. It is truly so much fun. You guys are going to love it. So what do you think? Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. As true crime listeners, you're aware of the dangers out there in the world. So why not keep your home as safe and secure as possible? Daphne and I do this by using Simply Safe. For award-winning security and peace of mind, wherever your summer plans take you. When we get ready for our summer trips this year, I will feel so much better about leaving the house knowing that Simply Safe has our back, just freeing me from my constant anxieties. And also something I love is that their system blankets your entire home in protection from break-ins to fires to floods. And with indoor and outdoor cameras to choose from, you will feel safe any time of day or night. And Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring agents to help stop crimes in real time. Which is part of why they were named the best home security system of 2024. Simply Safe has given us and so many listeners real peace of mind, and we want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash going west. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 
Heath and I are major sufferers of seasonal allergies. They are the worst. It can even be difficult to host this show when our noses are all clogged up. We have tried brand after brand, but luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. And big shout out to Claritin for supporting this show and providing us with samples. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. I feel like I sneeze all day long. I always have an itchy face, but now I can actually go outside in the grass and not have a sneeze attack or be stuffed up thanks to Claritin D. Are you ready to live as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so that you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Before that quick break, Heath told us that three days after Kiera went missing on August 7th, 2018, both she and John's phones connected to the Wi-Fi router in their apartment that they shared with Destiny. So the search of John's phone revealed another eerie interaction. After Kiera's disappearance, John and a friend were talking on Instagram about how police could easily use the Find My iPhone feature on Kiera's phone to see where her phone was. Later that day, this feature was disabled, her phone was turned off, and it has never been recovered. When police questioned if John had been the one to send the text messages from Kiera's phone, he reportedly didn't deny doing so. Instead, he just asked them why he would do such a thing and told them that he didn't believe that Kiera was dead. So he's not saying no, he's just saying, well, why would I do that? Yeah, exactly. So when they asked him to consent to a polygraph exam, he would not, he refused to do so. And this only confirmed the suspicions of Kiera's family and friends that he was involved. Kira's dad said, quote, I knew he was a shady person. A few days later, on August 13th, so nine days after Kira disappeared, police executed a search of John's vehicle. Though they didn't state if they found anything related to Kira's disappearance, they did find proof of other illegal activity. According to the Phoenix police sergeant in charge of the search, they recovered, quote, numerous items with personal identifying information of others as well as items of forgery. They found 20 California state IDs belonging to other people. Oh, that's not uh, a weird thing at all. Yeah, and basically police just suspected that these discoveries were linked to drug activity as John's social media posts were rife with drug references. So John was arrested on suspicion of 22 counts of aggravated identity theft and two counts of forgery, but he was released the same day. However, on August 17th, he was arrested again, and this time held on a $25,000 bond. 
Though they didn't yet reveal if they believe that John was responsible for Kiera's disappearance, police did announce that they suspected foul play was involved in her case. Now, let's go back a couple days before his second arrest. So, on August 15th, like I said, in between these two arrests, John was interviewed by local news publication Arizona Central. He continued to deny any involvement in the disappearance of his girlfriend, saying, quote, Kiera's been missing since August 4th, which was my birthday. We go back to the house and then we chill. She's trying to keep me in good spirits because it was my birthday, but I was kind of sad because we weren't really doing anything. And then we just started to get into a little bickering, arguing, and then she got upset and then she left. John also took to Instagram to proclaim his innocence, writing, quote, Me and Kiera have our ups and downs, but that's in any relationship. I love Kiera with all my heart and would never do anything to her or put her in harm's way. She left the house Saturday, August 4th, my birthday, because she was mad that I was contemplating going to live with my aunt in Texas. We messaged briefly after she left, and I was trying to get her back so that we could talk or find out where she went, but she didn't want to tell me. I called and messaged her all the remainder of Saturday and all day Sunday. I was also messaging her friend Destiny to see if she knew anything, and I was barely getting responses from her. Monday morning, when we saw that she was still not getting in touch with anybody and she was going to be missing work, I decided to call the police at that time. At that time, Kiera's friend Destiny told me that the day Kiera left, Kiera messaged her saying that she went to go chill and smoke with some dude. After we talked to the cop, I suggested for Destiny to call and tell Kiera's mom because I knew that she did not like me and I didn't want to raise the tension at that time. I've been nothing but open and honest with investigators in Kiera's family. However, I'm still being looked at from her family as having something to do with this. Her family is accusing me of being in the cartel or being a drug dealer, which is very ignorant of them to think of me. It hurt me so deeply that I was not able to attend Kiera's vigil of hope because her mom did not want me there. I tried calling the head detective for two days with no response. Then, two days after Kiera's vigil of hope, I was abruptly surrounded by close to 20 tactical officers, handcuffed and then brought down to the station. They fully searched my phone, car, and where I was staying. They treated me like I was a suspect from the jump. With the day and age that we live in, with me being the black boyfriend of a missing girl and a half-white family, if the police even had a shred of evidence to say that I had anything to do with this, they would not have let me go. So to all of Kiera's family that still wants to look at me negatively, you better have this same energy when Kiera comes home, because we will spend the rest of our lives together, and I will not forget the way that you're treating me. So it's like he's just becoming this... He's trying to become the victim here, like, oh, they're just saying I'm a bad dude and blah, blah, blah. And then even threatening them, saying, like, well, you better, like, eat your words because when she comes back, like, we're going to be together and I'm not going to forget that you treated me so bad. Right, like, which is such a bad thing to say anyway. Shut if the you, fuck up, If dude. you want to spend the rest of your life with this woman and you, this is how you're talking to her family, like, you're the problem. Yeah, it's you not are them. the problem. Exactly. Who talks to their girlfriend's family that way? Disgusting. Anyway, so for this post, he captioned it with, quote, This is to get the record straight with Kiara's family. I'm tired of the negative accusations and alienation of me when it comes to anything going on with her. I love Kiara deeply, and you're wrong for treating me this way. And then he hashtagged the post, Find Kiara. 
So around 3 p.m. on Monday, September 3rd, 2018, on a remote desert road over 40 miles or 64 kilometers from Kira's Glendale apartment, a couple of cyclists spotted something on the side of the road. Kiera's decomposing body was recovered near the intersection of State Route 85 and Hazen Road outside of Buckeye, Arizona, which is the westernmost suburb of Phoenix. Though investigators needed to confirm the identity of the body before they announced that they had found Kiera, they warned her family that it was very likely that it was her. John was already in custody at the time for his identity theft and forgery charges, and police questioned him again, just hoping their interview would connect him to her final resting location. And when he was asked about the area, John said he frequently traveled the exact road on which she was found, again, State Route 85, to and from his court appearances in San Diego, California, and that he knew the route well. On Tuesday, September 4th, 2018, using dental records, the medical examiner was able to confirm that the remains belonged to Kiera Bergman. When John was notified of her discovery, he declined to continue speaking with police and demanded an attorney. That same day, police released a probable cause statement to charge John with her murder. And the more police spoke to people in Kira's circle, the more they suspected John of involvement. Destiny claimed that she had seen bruising on Kiera and that John had a history of violent outbursts. And she described him as volatile, erratic, and controlling, and claims that she'd even seen him grab Kiera by the throat. On the day that Kiera disappeared, neighbors reported seeing a friend of John's come over with a car. And then John was seen removing trash bag after trash bag from the apartment and loading them into the car with the friend's help. So it just feels like everything is pointing to one conclusion and one conclusion only. But just wait to see where this goes. So Kira's family felt strongly that Kira had expressed interest in breaking up for good with John and moving back because he was manipulating her and using her financially. And on September 14th, 2018, he was indicted for second-degree murder and tampering with evidence, though he continued to protest that he was innocent. However, the state really had their work cut out for them because Kira's autopsy could not produce a cause of death, and the investigation didn't produce a murder weapon. And not only that, but there wasn't any DNA evidence on Kiera nor at the scene that connected John to the murder. Though the circumstantial evidence against him was obviously very strong, the jury felt unsure about murder charges due to the lack of DNA evidence specifically. Sadly, the case was tossed out because of this. But then, on May 14th, 2019, a new grand jury handed down another indictment for second-degree murder. On March 12th of 2020, John was released after being in prison for a year and a half and was electronically monitored. But in April of that year, the judge dismissed the murder charges a second time, stating that the prosecution mishandled the evidence and bungled the case. 
In August of 2022, a judge and jury finally sided with John and ruled that he was innocent of Kiera's murder. Which just feels absolutely insane. But I guess tips came in that Kira had been seen multiple times, like after she left her apartment and after she left John in her apartment. And these are claims that the defense alleges were not followed up on. Over the course of August 9th through August 16th, tips placed Kira in various locations around the Phoenix area, like three hours away in Kingsman, Arizona, and even all the way back to the vicinity of San Diego. And the defense even alleged that Kira was seen with a young man with dreadlocks shortly after she left her apartment. And of course, sightings can be really difficult because it's not like there's video footage that shows that it definitely was without a doubt Kiera and that somebody's not just not, you know, mistaking her for somebody else. But it obviously uh, throws a wrench in everything because it makes you wonder, was Kiera really seen after that? And was she really alive after the day that she allegedly stormed out on John? Well, eight days after Kiera's disappearance, a woman in the area had called 911 to report a man shoving a young woman who looked like Kiera into a vehicle. Then another tip came in claiming to have witnessed Kiera and a man fitting the description of the man from this 911 call, which was a young African-American man with dreadlocks, in an altercation at a restaurant. This tip claimed that Kiera and this man were fighting in the parking lot of a local Mimi's Cafe, but no witness statements were taken despite the efforts of the tipsters. There was also no surveillance footage pulled, and it seems kind of like these tips were stifled maybe because the police believed they already had their guy, which was John. And in his decision, the judge stated, quote, the Phoenix Police Department did not attempt to corroborate the details of this incident prior to the defendant's arrest on September 13th, 2018. Obviously, in a way, I do understand the judge's decision here. It is the police's duty to investigate every case to the fullest extent and not, not look into something because they feel like they have their guy. But I also feel like with all of the circumstantial evidence against John, I would be incredibly surprised if what these tipsters are saying is true. If Kira really was seen somewhere else after the day that she disappeared. I, it's hard for me to believe that with the text coming from her apartment, with the, this fight that they apparently had, with that text that Kira allegedly sent saying she wasn't home when she was, you know, and the fact that he was carrying out trash bags and asked a friend for help. Like, uh, there's so many things. Also, the fact that we know this man is violent. We know he's manipulative and abusive. And it's just hard for me to believe that with all of those things, all of the facts, that he's not behind this. I mean, even though John seems like he's the culprit behind this, he's actually stayed fairly quiet since the verdict. But for the duration of the trial, he took to social media to argue his side of the story and to bemoan his treatment and betrayal in the media. His TikTok page is mostly filled with pictures and videos of his young son and the pit bull puppies that he apparently breeds and sells. Ugh. But he also posted numerous videos proclaiming his innocence. In one post, he wrote, quote, 
How are we in a murder trial with no cause of death, no time of death, and no crime scene? I'm an innocent black man. Don't let my story go untold. I'm not guilty. Though the jury was sympathetic to the plight of Kiara's family, they were also honest in their belief that there was simply not enough evidence to prove without a doubt that John Clark was responsible for Kiara's death. The jury's statement read, quote, Our thoughts and heartfelt sympathies go out to Kiara's family and friends. We sympathize with the pain that they've gone through since her tragic death in 2018. We felt strongly about the case that we presented to a jury showing who we believe murdered Kiara. Our job as prosecutors is to provide facts and evidence under the law, and a jury of our peers determines guilt or innocence. In this case, the jury returned a verdict of not guilty. While we wished for a different outcome, we respect the jury's decision. The Phoenix Police Department were similarly disappointed, but also stated that they believe they conducted the investigation to the best of their ability, writing, quote, The Phoenix Police Department conducted a thorough and fair investigation, and we stand behind the work that we did on this case. While we were hopeful for a different outcome, we respect the decision reached by the jury. Kira's family were understandably devastated by this ruling and still believe that John was involved in her death. It's been five long years since Kiara was murdered, with no answers and no end in sight. The family is still fighting for justice for Kiara, and her dad Chris said, quote, I know God's going to forgive him, but as far as I'm concerned, I will never be able to forgive him, and I hope that he burns in hell. Kiara's mom, Kirsten, has turned to volunteering with other victims of domestic violence, empowering them to leave their situations. If you have any information about the murder of Kiara Bergman, please call Silent Witness at 480-948-6377. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Friday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. Such a frustrating case. I mean, again, circumstantial evidence is so annoying because it feels like, wow, we have it. It's right here. Like, obviously, he did it, at least in my opinion. And then without physical evidence, you can't do shit. And that's so frustrating. That's why this story is so important to share. It's an important one to tell because if anybody out there knows something that could prove that John or somebody else murdered Kiera, it can start up the investigation again because I feel like police kind of said, okay, well, we did our best and it wasn't John, so now we don't know who it was and we're not looking into it. You know, like that's the vibe you get. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we know that Kiera was murdered, that foul play was involved and police know that too. So hopefully there will come some new physical evidence or something that can point police in the right direction and justice will be served here. Yeah, something else I really want to know is what the state of her body was because obviously we had mentioned that John was seen taking multiple trash bags out of the apartment. So I'd love to know more about what the state of her body was when it was found because we couldn't find anything that she was dismembered or anything like that. So for anybody else who was whose mind was going there as well, we don't know. But I feel like that is a detail that's usually included. So it's possible that her body was intact. 
I just wish that we had more for this story. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to share and we'll see you in a few days. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world, don't be a stranger.